Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Glad you could join us for the Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening. Hope Storm Dennis hasn't affected you too much today. Rory O'Hagan, small salary here with you until 7 p.m. this evening. We have a lot to cover on the show tonight. We're going to have a reaction from Cork's win over Westmeath. Going to hear from Kieran Kingston, the Cork boss, a little bit later on, and we're going to talk to Dennis Hurley, who's at the game for us as he talks us through the game. We're also going to talk to former Ulster star Dennis Fogarty as uh, Ireland prepared to take on England at Twickenham next week. We are going to talk karate in Cork. Sean McCarthy as he secured a bronze medal at the European Under Twenty One Karate Championships last week. Going to look ahead to FightCon happening on Lee side uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Some of the biggest names in MMA coming to Cork, and we'll have more besides as well. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. I'm delighted you could join us on the Big Red Bench this evening. We are here until 7 o'clock. If you would like to get in touch, you can text us 0868104106 or you can WhatsApp us on that number as well. And uh, you can tweet us, of course, as well on our uh, Twitter at Big Red Bench is the place to get us there. Storm hasn't affected you too much, Thomas, has it? No, I didn't have any uh, major plans for the day. Bar <laughs> sit around watching TV or entertaining the smallies at home and come into your good self here yeah. and talk about sport. But um, no, it's not too bad outside now at the moment. Yeah, it ruined my hair. That's the only thing. I know, I should look. <laughs> we all have a cross this day. Exactly. Yeah, I don't have much more of it now myself. Yeah. So. <laughs> so hopefully uh, the storm hasn't uh, affected you too badly and hopefully everyone is okay. Right, uh, we are going to uh, talk at Cork Westmeath first. Up before that, Moss is going to get us up to date. And in Gaelic games, Cork have beaten Westmead in their National Hurling League clash this afternoon. Cork 3-12, Westmead 1-14 was how it finished. Patrick Horgan scored twice from the penalty spot for the Rebels and Bill Cooper found a net from play. Then in Group B, Wexford have beaten Kilkenny 116 to 114 with Conor McDonald scoring the goal for the Yellow Bellies and Clare saw off Leash at Cusick Park where 17 points to 9 was the final score. In Camogie, it wasn't to be for UCC in the Ashburn Cup final. They've lost to UL this afternoon. 3-14 to 12 points was the final score. And in football, Tottenham have beaten Aston Villa 3-2 in the first Premier League game of the day in dramatic fashion. Tom Gale is at Villa Park. Aston Villa 2, Spurs 3, Son Heung-min with the winner in added time. Bjorn Engels at the ball, run under his foot. The South Korean in on Pepe Reina, who's been great all afternoon. He wouldn't be denied, though, converted his 51st career Spurs goal. It's a fair result on selection. Jose Mourinho's team definitely created the best opportunities in the second half. Villa, a point above the drop. Spears move into fifth. Full time, Aston Villa two, Spears three. And Song Young Min felt it was a deserved victory. We were one nil down, so I think the, you can show the, the lots of character. So we went uh, 2 1 up, 2 2 again, and yeah, we, did, we didn't give up. And you know, I felt, I felt very bad because I had a, had a couple of chances to score, score the goal, and yeah, finally, at the last second, I scored the winning goal. It's uh, make me. Very, very happy, but I think the lads deserve the win, I think. And before this evening's kick-off, Arsenal and Newcastle set level on points in mid-table. It's currently Arsenal 2, Liverpool 0. Arsenal 2, Newcastle 0, Aubameyang and Pepe haven't discoursed there for Arsenal. And both sides are chasing Burnley above them, who moved three points clear into 10th position with a 2-1 win at Southampton yesterday. And it took a late goal to extend Liverpool's lead to 25 points at a top Premier League with the victory last evening. The Reds beat Norwich 1-0 to win at Carroll Road. So 
substitute Sané Mane scored the winner in his return from injury manager Jurgen Klopp said at full time that he never doubted his side would collect all three points the mentality of the boys is absolutely exceptional I could see it in each of their faces nobody was really nervous okay we didn't love the game but more and more we liked it then you see Sorchester and the direction from a specific moment on was then clear if one, some, one team will score here it's us and in basketball in the Women's Super League it finished Ambassador UCC Glamour 82 39 to Marble City Hawks and in golf Rory McIlroy heads into the final round of the Genesis Open in California later with a share of the lead at 10 under par the world number one is alongside Adam Scott and Matt Kuchar at the Riviera Country Club the trio are due to tee off the fourth round around quarter seven in Irish time this evening and McIlroy is in confident form yeah, I was in the final grip at Torrey Pines a couple of weeks ago and the final grip again here so yeah, I'm getting used to those on, on Sundays which is nice Yeah, world number one golfer I did it all without uh, hitting the ball last weekend it's been over two years and uh, now he's uh, in a rich vein of form and uh, very very confident as we heard from him there so it'll be interesting to see can he do it tonight when he tees off at about in about 40 minutes time yeah, hopefully you'd have to kind of fancy him really against Kutcher and maybe Scott. Scott can mm. can produce the odd, odd kind of round of brilliance, alright. But if McIlroy hits for him, I think he's a great chance. And onto racing, where Tiger Roll finished fifth in his season return this afternoon. That was in the Ladbrokes Ireland Boyne hurdle at Navin, where sixteen to one chance cracking smart took the race for Gigginstown Stable with Davy Russell on board. And finally in snooker, Sean Murphy leads Kieran Wilson 7-1 in the final of the Welsh Open. Murphy needs just two more frames when they resume later this evening in Cardiff. All right, thanks for that, Smalls. My apologies as well in my intro. I mistakenly said it was Sean McCarthy we'll be speaking to. It's actually Chris. Sean is his twin brother. So it's a mistake I made uh, at the start of the show. But I'll be talking to Chris McCarthy, uh, who secured a bronze medal at the European Under 21 Karate Championships uh, coming up uh, in just a little bit. But we are going to start the show by talking about uh, Cork's win today over Westmeath. As Tomas said, uh, hard fought stuff. 312 to 114 was how it finished. Patrick Corrigan with 2 8 for Cork. Two of his goals come from the penalty spot. Uh, Bill Cooper find the back of the net as well from play and of course uh, uh, Cork uh, ending the game as well uh, with uh, 14 players after Damien Cahalan was sent off so he won't be available for that trip at, or that clash with Limerick in Porky Cueve next Sunday but uh, Dennis Hurley was there for us and he uh, spoke to uh, Cork boss Kieran Kingston It was a difficult day no question about it like the laddie games were called off this was a difficult day but I mean look it was the same for both teams and to, it, we always knew it was going to be a battle and that's what it turned out to be At 7 points to 1 you must have been happy enough Yeah well look we, we started well we needed a breeze which was quite strong in the first half we went 7 points up and we took a foot off the gas and we lost Connor and we took a foot off the gas a bit and we conceded in, I think 23 in the first half and uh, back, but in fairness to Westmead they battled well uh, and like at half time we, were, we, we, were, we knew we were in, in a fight yeah look we did a lot of mistakes out there today I mean the conditions would have, I think mistakes on both sides and they, they, can you, when you stand out there and you see the pitch and you see the, the wind and the sleet and that there was going to be mistakes and there was, there was a lot of mistakes made on both sides and that's I suppose that's the, the uh, this time of the year in these pitches and, and are in this, this, these weather conditions you're going to have that but I mean you know, from our perspective we come up here to get two points we got the two points um, we, we put ourselves in a, in, a, in a strong position after going six points up in the first half and then going six points up again in the second half into the breeze and at half time uh, we were in a battle and we were it's always going to be a battle out there in, and I think what's most pleasing for me is I thought the team showed great courage in the second half into the breeze um, when we had to battle and we had to, we had to win and that, that's what it was we had to battle hard for the two points and I think I'm delighted with the character to show in the second half because we were in the fight at half time yeah look we have two games left in the league um, 
but as I said many times, each game in this league is, is really, really difficult, um, irrespective of whether you're home or away and whatever opposition. And, and like Westmead have shown that in the games they've played already today, it's 14 minutes against Galway and uh, again, beating Water in the second half recently. So they're, 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 they're a batting team and there's no question about that. We knew that coming up and I think we got off to the start. We, got, we, we, we were a little bit complacent after the start we got. Uh, and then we, at half time we regrouped and we said, into the breeze here in the second half, we're in the fight and, and I was delighted with the character they showed in the second half. Kieran, I was saying, yeah. there's been a problem over the last couple of years with this team. Um, what can you do to, to kind of stamp it out, you know, to, to, to get a consistent 70 minute performance? Well, it's, 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 it's difficult, like, I mean, that's what we're striving for. I spoke about that many times. Uh, and like you saw today, you know, when we were, uh, we're trying to get consistency from game to game. Uh, that's dictated by how you, the results you get, but the performance didn't within the game as well and the consistency from as you say from 70 minutes going 6 or 7 points up twice and letting the team back into it and, and, and letting it back into it like to be honest there were some silly mistakes you know that uh, we, we, we contributed to getting letting the team back into it and that we have to kill it we have to get that out of our game if we're going to be a consistent team both as I say from game to game and, and throw to 70 minutes and that's what we're striving for but I think today I, I don't underestimate the battle that was on there in the second half today because your tactics and hurling and skill and all this can to a degree goes up. You see, you see how many rock balls were there today. Yeah, yeah. And it's rock balls every 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 minute. There was a, there was a rock ball, you know. And is it the kind of thing then that understand to the young fellas? Have oh, no question. No question because like, you don't see that normally in hurling. But I mean, you saw rock balls there every every. There was rock ball yeah. every, every thirty seconds, and that so like, our fellas had to stand up in the second half, and uh, the changes we made work really well. Uh, and they stood up to they stood up to the second half because, as I said, it was a battle and normal hurling goes out the window. Just on Patrick's two penalties. Like, there's a game blowing into his face well, to do what he did and do it yeah. twice. And it says, well, plenty of I mean, look, when he stands over, we don't, we, we just look, let him. He was looking off the line, but we just let him take take, take charge of that himself. And uh, just saying that he's, he doesn't remember hitting the first one. His hands were numb. <laughs> so, so he just his hands were literally numb. So uh, <laughs> he, he said he got a sting up to his hands because they were numb. But uh, he caught it really well. I'm sure it was a rocket shot. Kieran, you mentioned Damien Cahalander will be there the next week. No, I didn't say actually. No, just talking there after. He just said he got a straight red, but I didn't see what happened to be honest. And we'll look at it later. So. And uh, are there any other injury worries apart from Connor or any lads who'll be back for Limerick who weren't available uh, yeah, today apart from the Fitzgibbon lads? Well, you have the Fitzgibbon lads and you have Alan Cadigan. Uh, Alan Cadigan as well. And Sean O'Donnell, who probably won't make it in time, I'd say. Okay. So you, Sean. Uh, Sean was injured, as you know, against uh, last week, so he'll he hardly be available. Alan should be, Alan should be okay. Fitzgibbon lads. Connor probably won't be, and obviously Damien. Okay. Yeah, that's Karen King. And they're speaking after uh, today's uh, win over Westmeath in what I believe uh, were absolutely atrocious conditions. You heard uh, Kieran mention there that, like, you know, um, Patrick Horgan hit the first penalty, couldn't feel his hands, they were numb, it was that cold. Yeah, it sounds sounds like mad mad conditions to play hurling and really, and haven't, you know, watch, even watched the one or two of the games in TG Carr there, um, kind of real, kind of wintry conditions that evens things up, really, and you'd have to que- question the. The sanity of playing hurling in, in in that kind of conditions, but I can't imagine it was fun for anybody involved. No, I guess the only thing you can kind of say is that it kind of tests people's character, and and I suppose it gives uh, fellas with maybe less of a skill level an opportunity to mm. to show their wares for for if you do come across those kind of conditions, which is unlikely come July. Yeah, you know, or, <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> well, well, you never know in Ireland. 
but uh, I know he, Kieran obviously gave the, the classic uh, comment that he didn't see the Cahillan incident as well, which mm. is uh, obviously every reporter will, will pray for a bit of a uh, bit of an insight. But yeah. um, I guess the conditions might be an excuse there for for his lack of uh, of uh, foresight into that incident. All right, we are going to hear now from Dennis Hurley, who was covering the game for us today. I suppose from just after the match. All right, joined on the line by uh, Dennis Hurley. Dennis, um, the Cork make hard work of that. They did, Rory, I suppose, yeah, you'd have to say it, uh, it wasn't as straightforward as most people would have expected. Uh, in saying that afterwards, Kieran Kingston was talking up the, the fact that it was a test of character and Cork had come through it because there, there definitely were stages in the second half where it looked as if Westmead might be able to squeeze out a famous win, but Cork did at least ensure that they got the two points and they are in a good, um, a good position now uh, in, in terms of reaching the knockout stages. Uh, I think at one stage in the first half, Cork was about 14, 15 minutes without a score. Yeah, uh, 14 minutes, and, and Westmead brought it back to two points in that. They should have actually brought it back to a point. It's coming up to halftime, and they missed an easy three, and then Tim O'Manny sent over a sideline cut in injury time just to give Cork a cushion of three at halftime. Then Patrick Horgan got a penalty early in the second half to make it sixth again. You're thinking Cork could push on, but. Um, Westmead got a, a goal direct from a 65 the ball just trickled in it was that kind of a day very tough for, for hurling and uh, it, it kind of kept him in touch and even even when Cork got a second goal Bill Cooper with a, a first two with a goal that went through the keeper's hand mm. uh, Westmead just still stayed with him um, they they never let Cork kind of pull clear and even great injury time you know there was still a, a sense that Westmead might get something from the game Cork were, were just able to see it out Yeah and uh, Damien Callan sent off for a straight red what was that for? Anyway, it was just uh, an off the ball incident I didn't actually see it myself now I haven't tried to go something on it but uh, <laughs> there was a, a bit of a scuffle broke out Damien got, got a red and then uh, Joey Boyle with me got a yellow but it was his second yellow so it meant um, both teams were down to 14 um, you know if it had been 15 against 14 Cork might have been under more pressure but um you know, it didn't it didn't affect the game too much. Uh, both sides being down to fourteen. Yeah, so it's two wins now from three for Cork. Sets it up nicely for that uh, clash with Limerick next Sunday. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's a kind of one. It was Cork have enjoyed taking Limerick um, over the last couple of years since since that All Ireland semi final, of course. Uh, two good wins in the Gaelic grounds last year, so it'll be a good test of where Cork are. Still kind of hard to know today. Was there was a touch of an experimental look to the team. Uh, some guys kind of given chances in different positions so it, it wasn't what you call a championship team you'd have the UCC guys back next week mm. Damien Callan's obviously out suspended Connor Lehan um, went off early in the first half with a hamstring strain he'll probably miss out but uh, Kieran Kingston hopes that, to have Alan Cadigan back so you know it, it, you'd see kind of what you call probably a first choice Cork team next week and it should be a, a, an interesting uh Interesting test for them. All right, Dennis, thanks. That safe trip home through uh, Dorm Dennis. Hi, thanks, Rory. Yeah, it's Dennis Hurley there speaking to us uh, uh, from Hughes uh, Park in Mullingar today after uh, Cork's win over Westmead. Maybe not the most convincing win, as Dennis suggested there, but look, it is two points in the bag, two wins from three now for Cork, and uh, as I mentioned to him, Tomas, that's going to be a cracker against Limerick next Sunday. Yeah, it should be. To be fair, I think Limerick have, have been a standout team in the league. Um, probably kind of still reeling from their kind of lack of performance in, in the All-Ireland semi-final to Kilkenny last mm. year. Um, a few, obviously, external 
kind of things going on on and off the pitch um, in Limerick as well that that they're trying to get get in order. Yeah. And they seem to be more united and, and focused, refocused again. Um, so yeah, look, it'll definitely give us a, a kind of an indication of where Cork uh, really stand. And if we could get a nick a win over Limerick, then I think that augurs well for obviously staying in contention in the league, but the, the Munster Championship, which obviously is is so hotly contested with with the likes of uh, Tip Waterford mm-hmm. and Clare thrown into the mix as well. Certainly, so it's going to be an absolute cracker next Sunday. We'll have all the best reaction on the Big Red Bench on next Sunday's show. Right, we're going to uh, turn our attentions to Karate. Before we do that, just a quick score update. Um, from the uh, the Premier League game Arsenal have just gotten a third against Newcastle Mesut Ozil has scored uh, for the Gunners they now lead Newcastle by three goals to none and that game is just into time added on at the Emirates Stadium so that looks like it's going to be uh, a cracking win uh, for Arsenal uh, that will see them up to a 10th place um, after 26 games but we're going to talk Karate Corks Chris McCarthy secured a bronze medal at the European Under-21 Karate Championships last weekend Chris is part of the Maradike Arena Emerging Talent Programme Corks with FM Proud partners of uh, Chris and his coach Steve O'Callaghan calling to me for a chat earlier on today. In uh, Budapest, Hungary, I was the under 21 uh, European Karate Championships. Uh, it was my uh, first under 21 one, just coming up from junior last year. So, uh, in my first fight, I had a uh, Slovakia and I won that uh, 6 0. And then the second one, I had a uh, Belarus and I was able to win that 1 0. And then the semi final, uh, I lost 4 4 against uh, Montenegro. A uh, close match, but then uh, in the bronze medal match, I won against Hungary, uh, 2-0, so it was an amazing experience. A good weekend so far. So it was obviously a step up. How did you find the step up in competition? Uh, it's completely different, yeah, the step up. It's, yeah, because you see a lot of people come off from junior and it's, they don't quite get it, you know, because it takes a while to get it, but I was able to get it first time, so. Tell me, like, what are the main differences, both step up from junior to... Next uh, mostly like strength, like a lot. Much of the guys are much bigger than under twenty one. You know, more developed, like you know, because uh, a lot of the junior athletes aren't quite you know as old mm-hmm. as they would be. But uh, it's uh, it took a while to get used to, but it's it okay. You know. What's that feeling like when you're standing on the podium? Uh, yeah, indescribable. To be honest, uh, it's so hard to use words to say. It, like, yeah. but, uh, it's a uh, best experience of my life so far. Yeah. Steve, uh, talk to me a bit about, I suppose, uh, about Chris and how he's evolved. I suppose as an athlete over the last couple of years. Uh, Chris has got unbelievable talent at the moment. Um, we developed about four or five years ago, and we we went on the line of getting fast, hmm. and we concentrate on speed and agility rather than just traditional karate. No disrespect to traditional karate, but we we concentrate on sport karate, how to get that fast. We knew our goal, and we just developed and um, with partnership with uh, Jeff Gomez in the Maldives hmm. Arena. They done the strength and conditioning with them. We've done the crowd, we've done the fighting aspect, and it seems to have paid off. Certainly does. I mean, like, you've obviously been training Chris for, for quite a long time. I mean, like, what are the qualities he brings to the table as, a, as, a, as an athlete? Oh, oh, my God. He's just a placid young man. He, he, anytime we ask him to do something, he'll do it. He'll never question me. If I ask him to do something in the club, just goes away and does it. Never question mm. my sister. That's hard. But he'll never question anything, and he'll always give back what he's what he's got off of me. Mm. He'll always try to put back into perspective, especially to the younger students, how how we can develop more. And he's just turned to be a fantastic athlete. Mm. Chris, what's uh, Steve like as a coach? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, just an unbelievable coach. I, I couldn't ask for a better. Couldn't ask for a better coach. Honestly, uh, I've had a lot of coaches before, but uh, with Steve, it's mm. just uh, we have such a good relationship. You know, 
like a really strong relation I feel that's what the difference is you know I think you really have to be able to bond with your coach to like mm. for him to get the best out of you I don't think him shouting at you or giving out to you the whole time you know I mean just he just tells me what to do I do you know yeah. there's no need to be anything else he obviously yeah. demands a lot from you but I mean like as you mentioned there you don't question you just kind of take his advice yeah. and just go straight for it yeah yeah like he asks he knows what I need to do so if he tells me to do something I just go do it because you know I need less than you done, so. <laughs> so you mentioned the Marlick Arena and I suppose uh, the, the Elite Athlete programme that you're part of um, how beneficial has that been for you? Uh, yeah that's been a really big difference especially in like uh, the strength and condition and like the nutrition side and uh, the psychology side as well because I think that's like really important as well like I was kind of lacking in that a bit but when I went there and went to the programme it helped out and I definitely got like a lot stronger a lot faster a lot quicker And Steve I imagine you've seen a, a big difference in Chris since he started on the programme I'd imagine Oh yeah look we're karate coaches we're strength and conditioning coaches mm. we're not dietitians. we can't teach students how to do that no matter how much we think we know mm. these people are the experts in this not us we can teach we can teach our kids how to get a bit faster, how to fight, but it's up to the likes of the Mad Ike and the Martian Talent Program. They teach them something I can't bring to the table. Yeah, and that's plain and simple. It's, it's, think of anything else, you're, you're silly. Yeah. So, um, give me some of your history, I suppose, as a karate coach. Uh, I started late. I started when I was thirty-one. Yeah. Uh, I started in the club in Inniscarra, and I had my two daughters join first. And I got called. It was September. I got called, and he was kept on to me about come on, join and warm up, and I did and just from then I just took this straight away and I just done cat and sparring I used to compete I talked to you too straight away yeah straight just into it I loved it straight into it and I used to love it then a couple of years down the road I used to get my damn blade I broke away to my own club in Karate Club mm-hmm. and it's just been almost an upwards we've great numbers we've great students we try to teach a couple of kids with disabilities as well with autism and a few kids with Down syndrome and it just seems to be developing and developing and it's where I want to be I'm getting old now. It's, it's where I want to be in the future. I want to teach full-time martial arts and karate and, and just enjoy it. Mm. I just enjoy it so much. I suppose, uh, I suppose he's one of the, the success stories that's come through your club. But what about the other athletes who else? Uh, he's only one. He's got a twin brother. Oh, my God. He's got a twin brother. He's just as exciting. Yeah. Another young man. He's in the Emerging Talent Programme as well. A young man called Hugh Power. He's 17. He's coming into the eighteen. He's not a fantastic athlete, so something must be going right there. <laughs> so look, I mean, we've a couple of young kids coming through. They're a bit bonkers, but they're great fighters. But look, it's, it seems to be working. It's 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 developing. If it's working, we won't we won't fix it. We're not going. It's not broke, so we're not going to fix it. Mm. Plain and simple. And Chris, I suppose having your twin brother there training, which you'd imagine him pushing you and you pushing him is kind of a massive benefit. Yeah, it definitely gives a good advantage because a lot of people don't have the perfect like training partner, same height, same weight, you know, same everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like I think what makes it really good is because we're so competitive with each other. We always want to from the best out. So mm-hmm. that's what it really makes. Yeah. Talk to me about your history of the sport. How did you get started? Did you start at the same time as your brother? Or how did it work? Uh, yeah, we both started at the age of seven. Yeah, there was a note going around the school saying John do her- like karate. So we just said, yeah, we'd walk it in. <laughs> that simple. Yeah, so yeah, that was it. Yeah, I went down, and ever since then, we just fell in love with it, and yeah, been going. What, what is it about karate that kind of like grabbed you and kind of like kept you involved? I suppose I imagine that is you're trying a lot of other sports as well, but karate's the one that seems so stuck. Uh, yeah, I just really like loved it. I don't know. I just the second again, I just fell in love. I don't know. It just stuck with me straight away. Yeah. What's the target now? I mean, like, like you've just come back from the Europeans last month. I mean, like, what's the plan now for the rest of the year? Uh, in uh, four weeks' time, we have the Senior European Championships in uh, Baku, and mm. then we have a uh, Karate Premier Run League in Madrid coming up, and then the Olympic qualifiers in May mm. for uh, Tokyo. I imagine that the Olympic qualifiers are something that you're, you're obviously targeting, something that's in the back of mind all the time. Oh, yeah. This is the one. 
this is the one um, his brother Sean got into Youth Olympics there um, 2018 wasn't it and he got told mm. no karate in the Youth Olympics is brand new so to get told in the Youth Olympics fabulous achievement and we're hoping to achieve it now so we've Sean trying to drop to minus 75 kg and Chris going to fight plus 75 it's our last chance to get in it mm. why not we're going to give it a rattle and see what happens how far do you think Chris and Sean can go well if I didn't believe them I believe they wouldn't qualify I do believe them I think they can qualify on their day they can beat anybody mm. anybody bit of madness going on them but they can beat anybody in the day because I suppose I mean like competing at the Olympics is the epitome for any athlete is that something that you kind of focus on and concentrate on and think of kind of almost every day yeah every day I think about it it's one of the biggest dreams to achieve that I want to do so I really think that talk to me about I suppose um, your average training week I mean like this is an Olympic year I'd imagine it's quite intense uh, yeah so we train about six days a week uh, three or four hours a day and normally we'd have our strength condition in the morning and then we'd have our karate in the evening mm. Uh, that most be it Monday to Sunday. Yeah. I suppose that in, yeah, that involves, I suppose, a lot of sacrifices and uh, and that as well. I mean, do your friends understand what you're trying to do and kind of do they support and all that kind of crack? Yeah, no, great friends. Yeah, they really support it, so it's really good. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose uh, having uh, a young man like this with his head screwed on is a massive benefit for you as a coach. He seems to have his feet on the ground, very focused, very determined. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a goal we set ourselves a long time ago, and um, we set this goal, and. Fair to them, they're really pushing the boat out to get there. Like mm. we do train very, very hard, and we train five nights a week. And we train on Saturday. Yesterday, no, we train two sessions yesterday morning, one in the morning, one in the afternoon for two hours each session. So we're putting the work in, and it's like everything else. You put it in, you have a chance of getting there. Excellent, lads. It's been a pleasure having you in, and um, congratulations on last weekend. And I suppose uh, very, very best of luck. And they will be keeping a keen eye on your, your progress. I suppose, and very best of luck. Thanks, Rory. Thanks for having us to my ben, Sean Cork's Red FM and that is Chris McCarthy and his coach Stephen O'Callaghan uh, coming in to me to talk about uh, Chris's fantastic uh, bronze medal at the European Under-21 Championships last week. Uh, Chris part of the Barrelite Green Emerging Talent Programme of which uh, Cork's Red FM are proud to be part of and um, they, as they were mentioning they're a big, big year as well. Olympic year tomorrow. I mean, like it doesn't get much bigger than that but just listening to Chris head screwed on he's got a good coach next to him as we heard from Stephen as well so fingers crossed he'll be on that plane to Tokyo. Yeah, look, they, listening to them there, they sound two really switched on guys. Mm. And what kind of jumps out at me is the, the work ethic they have and the sacrifices that they're making, you know, five nights a week and then a bit of weekend work as well just to, to reach that goal. Um, and particularly, obviously, Chris, hopefully looking to get into the Olympics, but it's coaches like that around the, the country in different sports would inspire you, you know, and even the way he spoke about the lads that they can beat anybody in the day. You heard yeah. the passion and the conviction in his voice, but like the, the, the sacrifice that he makes, I presume it's on a voluntary basis as well, mm-hmm. you know, so um, pretty inspiring story and, you know, wish both of them best and hopefully we'll see Chris representing Ireland in the Olympics. Yeah, fingers crossed and of course, as we heard there, his brother uh, Sean, his twin brother Sean, uh, represented Ireland at the Youth Olympics two years ago as well, so be fantastic uh, for Chris to get to the Olympics this year now as well. Alright, uh, uh, it's full time at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal have beaten Newcastle by four goals to nil. Um, the goals come from Aubameyang, Pepe, Ozil and Lacazette. We'll get a full time report on that in a bit. And up next, Tomas is chatting to his former teammate Dennis Fogarty. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m.
All right, glad you could join us on the Big Red Bench. Florian Tomas here with you until 7pm this evening. Going to turn our attentions now to rugby and what a massive, massive week it is uh, for Ireland as they head to Twickenham to take on England in the Six Nations on Saturday afternoon. When you were a player, Tomas, when you were in camp for Ireland, what was it like the week leading into Twickenham? Was there a bit of an extra buzz, a bit of extra anticipation about it? Yeah, look, I suppose they... England were long standard setters for the Northern Hemisphere and I guess even the all historical um, kind of relationship between the two countries um, sporting and otherwise yeah they've always brought an extra bite to that that mm. fixture and even in terms of preparation you knew if you didn't get it right that you could be on the, on the back of a, of a hammering and <laughs> last thing you want to be beaten in any game but particularly against the English so yeah it always was kind of a special game and obviously when you do beat the English or you do beat them as particularly over in Twickenham it's, it's good to get up <laughs> sweet there feeling I'd imagine is it yeah absolutely and I think I played against them three times there got well beaten twice but beat them once um, absolutely special and then obviously as a, as a fan as well I was over there the, the day we, we won the, the Grand Slam mm. in, in St. on St. Paddy's Day so um, yeah it's it's a kind of weird stadium I like it kind of yeah. it's an, old, an older ground yeah the atmosphere is kind of mixed enough. I was expecting a bit more from it. Like it, like I thought the the atmosphere in the in in, in Paris and in, in Millennium Stadium, which is my favourite ground. Yeah. I think they probably would supersede it for me, to be honest with you. But just the fact that you get a chance to go over and beat the English just kind of you can't really trust that. <laughs> yeah, so I'd imagine uh, the nerves and the anticipation, anticipation certainly building in that Irish camp. But to look ahead to the game, you've been chatting to a, a former teammate of yours. Yeah, I caught up with uh, Dennis Fogarty um, to discuss, obviously, Ireland's chances. Um, he'd have good insight into the, the camp. His brother John is the scrum coach, would have played with Dennis against him in, in school. He played with Rockwell, being a tip man, and played with him for Irish schools and Irish 20s, and then on to Munster for for a long few years. So we had a uh, great crack on the pitch and probably more crack off it. So it's good <laughs> to catch up with him and get his uh, insights. I'm delighted to be joined by Dennis Fogarty, former Munster and Ireland A player. Dennis, thanks for joining me. No problem at all. Um, look, good to chat again. That's yeah, great to, to catch up. Obviously, I'm helping out with a bit of coaching for, for Con 20s at the moment, so it's a bit of a baptism of fire there for me. Um, having you as a head coach, it's tough enough. <laughs> I know, it's t- tough to keep you under wraps as well, like, to be fair, but it's good. I know it's great. The great the young fellas are loving now. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're good fun and probably less cynical than, uh, than, than we were when we were playing. Yeah, true, very true. Very so true, looking forward to, to obviously next weekend's Ireland and England game, um, yeah. Twickenham, do you think Ireland have much of a chance going over there? I actually genuinely do. Um, I'm quite hopeful, to be honest with you. Um, I think Ireland are in a good place. They started well and I think they've gradually gotten better as the games have gone on. So um, I think they're going over there with a really, a really big chance. So um, I'm actually really looking forward to the game. The kind of physical battering that we took off England in, in the last game, I know it was built up to the World Cup and a lot has changed since then. You don't think that will have much of, uh, an, uh, I suppose, an influence on, on this Saturday's game? I don't think so, to be honest with you. Um, I think you have to, to look at the, you know, the, the, the background of that game. They came, I think they came off a, a massive camp in, uh, in Portugal. I think there probably there could have been a small bit of fatigue in that. Um, and obviously with the whole changing the, the, the coaching changing staff and all or the, 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 the coaching staff change um, I think that they're they're re-energised to be honest with you um, I think they're 
looking forward to, to this game. I know they've had a, a big week this week, but a, a good week in Cork. Um, got a lot of work done. Um, and I don't think they're, I, I, to be fair, I, I don't think that result will have any bearing on on, on next week. Um, like I said, it was different circumstances, but you know, I think everyone now is, is in a new fresh mindset of, um, of, of going over there and getting a result. Yeah, you alluded to the change in mindset and change of coaches in, in the squad. I know Keith Earls was speaking during the week about how there's probably less pressure, uh, less analysis, and it seems a bit more fun in the squad. Um, how important and do you think the change that Andy Farrell has implemented or is trying to implement, uh, how, how, how much is that affecting the squad? I think it's going to have a huge effect. I think like you, you know yourself, you know, when you get someone in who's probably... Who, who change, even small changes can just give you, reinvent you a small bit. Do you know what I mean? And I think you've seen that with players. I think there's a, an onus on them just to kind of express themselves more. Um, and I think he does that in, in reports this week, you know, that they're, they, they now have that freedom. And it's, you know, you know better than I do that uh, when you play with, you know, with freedom, it's just, obviously it's way better to watch, but even to play in it, is just more enjoyable, more exciting. Um, not not saying how they played was was bad or anything, but it was it was very structured in, in what they yeah. played. It was even tough to watch at times, but you see now in the first two games that it, it really is exciting to watch. And you see their ambition coming out in the field. And your brother John, of course, is Ireland's scrum coach. Massive, um, I suppose, challenge for this this Irish team at scrum time this weekend, and I suppose the pack overall. Um, how important is that battle going to be in getting parity or even dominance in the scrum? Yeah, it's it's huge. You know, it's you would have seen that in the first game. It's where where Ireland would have struggled to really kind of get in their their scrum going. You know, and, and you saw the effects it has on a game. You know, you get one, two, three penalties. It's you're up against it in international rugby. It's 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 not a good place to be. Set piece will be key, um, especially away from home. Um, obviously, against World Cup finalists, um, you want to you want to be you want to be nailing your set piece. England will have a, a very strong scrum, got a great pack, um, and obviously a good lineup. But that's that's where Ireland need to I think turn the screw. They've gotten better, like I said before, gradually getting better game by game. But I think they really need to. To be a hundred percent at scrum time and and obviously at line out time. So, um, but and I think they can. I see. I think that there was a big change last week from or against Wales. You saw the scrum being very dominant, bar the first scrum of the game where we, we were penalised. But um, you know, I think going into the game that, that there'll be a huge focus on set piece and at scrum time. And I suppose you caught up with John last week when they were down in Cork. Um, the, the the confidence levels in the camp are the the coaches and the players really kind of confident and looking forward to the challenge of Twickenham? Absolutely, you know, and I think it's that's driven from Farrell as well, you know, he's that he kind of, he's that energetic guy, he's that positive guy and he's um, I think they're all feeding off him, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he's um, he's good to be around, apparently um, John's loving it at the moment, he's you know, like I said, what what Farrell is bringing to the to the whole, not just the coaching staff, but to the players as well, is that they're re-energized and they're, you know, they're going over there full of confidence and, you know, really excited about the challenge that um, that England will bring. 
And I know in, in, in the press, the England coach has mentioned brutality and physicality. Obviously, that was in regards to their last game against France. But likely in this game, it's going to be extremely confrontational. With that in view, how would the makeup of your back row look like if you were selecting? Would Caelan Dars come back into contention or would you stick with Omani, Stander and Van der Fleer? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was, a, you know, looking at it now, I think they're going to have to stay with Omani. I think he, um, you know, he, he was angry after being dropped yeah. in the first game and it's kind of did him the world of good because he was he was brilliant, not alone at set piece, but around the park um, last week. Standard, there was big question marks over him going into the Six Nations, two man of the matches now. You, you know, he's undroppable. Um, so you can't change that up. So, uh, and Van der Fleer has that just perfect balance. You know, he's, He's everywhere. He's getting through so many tackles. I think he twenty something tackles or twenty one tackles in the last game. Um, he's just very, very effective. So um, I think that that's a good balance of standard, you know, Peter Amani and um, Van der Fleer. So I don't see changes there. Um, so I think they're going to stick with that back row. You know, I think Keelan Darts will have to, you know, buy his time again and hopefully get back in for the Italy game. And then, you know, the coaches will probably reassess things. Is that an exclusive now coming from the, the coaches for Red <laughs> FM? We'll, we'll go to print with that, so will we? <laughs> Not at all. He doesn't, he doesn't say much now, to be fair. I don't get any insight into it. So, um, And I don't think he'd be picking a back row. Yeah, I fair enough. He'd be, just, he'd, be, <laughs> he'd be asking him about props and hookers, and that's about it. Okay, so what's the starting front row? <laughs> I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't see, to be honest with you, when I looked at it, even, even around the field, Looking at changes, I don't see many changes. I, yeah. I think, um, go especially with the English game, I, I don't think you're going to have many changes. There is a big call for Kilcoyne to maybe come in. Yeah. Um, would he do that for the English game? I don't know. Um, otherwise, you know, I don't see Conor Murray will retain his place. I think they will. You know, they'll they might change it for the Italy game. Um, and also, I think Keith Earls put his hands up. Yeah, he did. For, you know, I, I genuinely look at that and I'm like... But who do you drop you know, there from, from Stockdale or Moore or, or Conway? Like, it's a big decision. Yeah, it is a big call for me. You know, like, obviously, I don't know much, but in terms of wingers and, and all this kind of stuff, but, like, I'm sure maybe he could fit in where Stockdale is. Mm. And then on the other side of it is, he came in at 13. He played incredibly well against Wales at 13. Is that balance of... Bundyaki and Henshaw the right one for England you know they're quite similar player, players I think he's a huge loss his ring rolls to get that balance right in midfield so I don't know do, do you go with Henshaw and Earls at you know at 13 and Henshaw at 12 or just leave it at Bundy and, and Henshaw at, um, at 13 so um, like, like, like it was in the Wales game you know I don't know but I, I think that that's the only I Positions where it's unbalanced at the moment with with ring rows being out. I think Henshaw. I think if they were all fit, maybe Henshaw might actually get. Well, for in my eyes, would get the nod against yeah. for Bundy. You know what I mean. So, um, but definitely Earls. Earls has definitely put his hand up. Um, likewise, Kilcoyne is really hammering at that door. 
to try and get on the field. Um, yeah. So it's good to have that strength and depth, you know, have, have, have decisions yeah. to make and have guys to come on and add a bit of mm. momentum after 50, 60 minutes. Another mm. subplot of this game is, I suppose, the Andy Farrell versus Owen Farrell, um, you know, mm. contest. Um, a lot of people have asked me about this and uh, asking about split loyalties. Of course, you've experienced in this playing against John with mm. Leinster. Um, we played against them, but I've just spoken to people and, and kind of family loyalties go out the window once the game starts, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's just at the end of the day, it's a, it's your profession, it's a job. You know, we, we were similar to that in was in two two thousand and eight Munster Leinster Ireland Cup semi final. My mother in the stands. You know what I mean? And she was just, you know, she was she was just wanted both of us to get off the field. Yeah. But um, I, I think you know we we spoke about. I would have spoken to him before that game and stuff. And at the end of the day, it was literally when the job get on to get your job done and do it at 100% so you can and make the best make the best team win you know and I think that there is that and I saw some articles where Andy Farrell has spoken about that they've got a great understanding of and a great professionalism between the two of them of you know going out doing their doing their job to the best of their ability and all they want to do is win so um, and that's the bottom line you know what I mean and I think they'll have that respect between the two of them you know of Going out there trying to win and doing everything they can to win, so um, and you have to respect that too. So I don't, I don't, I don't see it being a a big, um, you know, big issue. And look, I suppose the Irish twenties deserve mention as well. And I know you've probably been exposed to a few of those guys, and particularly Jack Crowley at out half. How impressed have you been with with the twenties team in general and and some of the individual players? Yeah, I must say they was it about three weeks ago or. Just a week before the um, the Six Nations started, they came up and trained up in up in Corcoran against um, uh, the seniors, um, and I just I was extremely impressed with I suppose the pack and how how um, how good they were at set piece, how physically big they were, how fit they were, and then in, in the game they, they just they already looked like a, a team that had been with each other for for so long. To be honest with you saw the first game and obviously where we see a lot of uh, Jack Jack Crowley um, up in Con and he's a he's a very he's a very impressive young fella to be honest he's um, very focused very dedicated um, and just a good young fella they all are really to be honest with you at that age coming out we see it with some of our guys they're just down to earth guys who, who, who he obviously has a goal in mind and he's you know he's gone out to get it, and that's it. You know what I mean. So um, very impressive, and you know, hopefully we I wish the wish the best to them all. And I I see that that been a big challenge as well for them going over there, trying to get a result against England. That's a huge challenge for them. But uh, you know, I don't see it. You know, being a being a huge huge problem. And I wish the be- wish the best of luck to them. Okay, and of course, it's been a very tough week for everyone here in, in Munster Rugby with the the passing of Gareth Fitz. Um, I spoke a bit about him yesterday. You know, a great man. Could you tell us really about your your deal? With Gareth, yeah, I, I would have. God, I, he, he was. I would have had dealings with him every time. I would have, obviously, not only signed my contracts with Gareth. He was the first guy who, you know, who offered me a contract um, back in two thousand and three. I think we both came off the World Cup, wasn't it? And uh, yeah. the Under Twenty Ones World Cup, and offered my first contract. And yeah, he was. He, he's a huge. He was just a monster man out and out. You know, to the core. He. Um, he brought so much to the to the organisation, to the club, to the players. He'd um, huge respect from everybody, you know, from within the organisation. Every every single player, I don't think that anyone would have a bad word to say about him. 
um, and just a just an all around good guy, good good person to deal with. And I think for, from my point of view, it was what I really enjoyed about him. There was no messing with him. He was just straight straight talking. You know, I would have spoken to him when I was coming back from France, and you know, trying to kind of integrate myself back into Ireland and yeah. obviously into the workforce and stuff. And he, you know, he, he was all out to help me as well. You know, no issues. Whatever I can do, I'll do with Dennis. Um, and just a great guy, you know. And he'd know, you know, it was he was just always there to help and always yeah. there to for a good chat as well. To be honest with you, I I'd had numerous chats with him, and he was. He was just one of those guys who you come out in the chat and you were like, God, that was, I needed that, you know, that yeah, kind of way. Yeah, so, um, absolutely. no, massively missed. He'd be hugely, hugely missed within the organisation and from everybody around, you know, that had dealings with him. Brilliant. Look, there great words to end uh, the interview on. Look, I appreciate you taking the time and hopefully we'll be looking, celebrating a, an Irish win this time next week. Thanks, Dennis. No problem. Thank you. Yes, Dennis Fogarty here in conversation with uh, Tomas uh, earlier on this afternoon and very nice words said about Gareth Fitzgerald as well I know it's a very tough time for all of you with a connection with Munster but very nice to, to hear uh, such positive things there from from Dennis speaking about him Yeah look Gareth was a, was a great man and uh, met a good few of the lads there at the removal earlier um, so a tough few days for obviously his family and, and the wider Munster community mm-hmm. see the impact he had on, on Munster uh, it was phenomenal um, 20 years in, in his position and, and what he achieved both in terms of the performance of the team obviously winning Heineken Cups and, and league titles but you know the greater kind of Munster rugby um, development of Thoman Park Musgrave mm-hmm. Park um, even uh, the high performance centre um, but like in terms of the commercial commercial decisions made off the pitch as well you know I think he had great foresight but it's just that he always kind of just wanted to, to take a back seat and, and he didn't ever put himself forward as a, as the head or he wanted any attention mm-hmm. and you know he just wanted the players to perform and the, the staff to, to, to do their thing and you know he was so unassuming but just such yeah. a straight and honest guy and uh, I always had, had a great time for him you know just massive loss now for, for Munster Rugby Yeah certainly certainly is Alright um, as Dennis was mentioning there he was talking about Jack Crowley who's been like one of the stars of uh, the Ireland in their 20s he's been uh, fantastic in the two games I've seen him down in Irish Independent Park he was brilliant against Scotland um, when he scored that massive breakaway try that became a viral sensation online uh, he was just he was excellent against Wales just his game management and his composure uh, was something else um, he was um, put forward to the media at the, um, the Ireland uh, team held a press conference at the Riverlea Hotel uh, last Thursday uh, so uh, Jack Crowley is put forward ahead of their trip to Franklin's Gardens on Friday and here's a little of what the band of man had to say we spoke about after the first two games like we have as a group our 20s group this year are unbelievably driven and like we have highest standards within our group and we spoke after the Scottish game you know saying that we didn't play our, our game you know obviously a few tries off um, offloads and stuff like that but we are happy with that but it's still not our game and we strive this week to focus on just playing our game um, going away to England next week you know obviously it's an away game um, Franklin Gardens a stronghold in English rugby with Northampton being there but you know that's that's an uncontrollable for us that we can't go away and dictate the crowd as when teams come to, to come to Independent Park that it's you know it's difficult to play against but I'm sure they cancel that crowd out but by playing our game we can get into our flow 
and feel comfortable away from away from our home of Independent Park. So that's kind of the main thing that that's been our focus. Is you know we've we've played well in the last few games, but there's still a lot more in us. And by getting to to our shape and our game is is being the main focus point this week. How do you manage those those big moments that you've had? And- the inevitable intention, attention that it brings and yeah. your WhatsApps are lighting up after every game and you're getting yeah. sent links of videos that are going viral of moments in your game how do you, how do you embrace that but also try and manage it and block it out a little bit when you need to like, cause yeah. you, have to, you have to be excited about what you do but you also have to be able to concentrate on yeah, like, like I think the main thing that I took from it is you know obviously it's, it's unbelievable getting moments like that but you know the job is done um, it's you know Six Nations campaign. It's it's different if it's a one-off game where it's a test match. You know maybe last year in the 19s and 18s. But my mentality anyway is that it's it's a Six Nations campaign. Once the game is over, we're automatically into the hot review after the game, and we put that behind us that game, and we're moving on to the next game. So you embrace um, you know after the game, you know making people proud, um, making people happy. And you understand that, but that has to be put back into the locker, and you just focus on the next game. And that's kind of been our main mentality after games: is that we review it, we talk about it, we take our learnings, um, as there has been many learnings, and we move on to the next game, which is which is what we've done this week. Today, massive learning you know coming up against Johnny Sexton and Ross Byrne and stuff like that and even talking to them um, understanding learnings from them and it's just unbelievable competitive atmosphere that you know that you're you're training against the Irish seniors and you can learn so much from them and by doing that you can you can have the highest standards of you know other teams in the 20s campaign might never have to have that opportunity um, so we're, we're lucky um, to have this unbelievable opportunity to train against seniors so massive learnings from it is what we took Yeah that's Cork's Jack Crowley there speaking in Cork last week in the, the Riverley Hotel uh, not long after they played the, the Irish senior team in a behind uh, closed doors training match at uh, Irish Independent Park, which would have been a massive boost, I suppose, for all under twenties, Thomas. Yeah, I guess they're they're playing against lads they would have been watching TV. Yeah, you know, forget these guys. You're listening to to Jack there, how composed he is, and how how kind of he talks confidence. About, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like he he's still only 19, 20 years of age, so you can imagine going off five rowing five six years back, and he's watching sex on these guys on TV. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, he he wants to grow up and emulate that and, and achieve and play with Ireland. He may potentially do that. Hopefully, he does, but. Suddenly, you're playing against them in, you know, in Irish Independent Park, and and you kind of realise then that you know they're human. They're, there's not that much of a gap. Um, obviously, you know the the whole team and the whole structure within the their senior setup is is different, and the physicality would be different, and the speed they do things yeah. would be different. But you kind of you, you you kind of eyeball them. You you get into a one on one contact with them. You realise, oh, you know, I'm not too far off this. So mm-hmm. I think it gives them a sense of it's that professional rugby is attainable. That it, it's it's within their grasp, and that these guys, Johnny Sexton, Murray, all these guys, well, they are great players. They're they're still just lads who who will mm-hmm. play twenties rugby like them. So I think it gives them a sense of reality and realism and gives them hope that look they're not too far away from it. Big step up to going to Franklin's Gardens on Friday, isn't it? It is. Look, going over to England traditionally, um, they would have been the kind of the forerunners of the of the twenty six nations as well. Back in my day, obviously they were all physically way ahead of us yeah. and would have been on, on program part of a semi professional setup from a young age. Um, there's Irish players, obviously. 
the Leinster Academy or Munster Academies they would have caught up with them at this mm-hmm. stage you know the school system would develop the Irish players club system as well now where they have waste programs since they're 14 15 years of age so um, no it's big opportunity for the, the lads after two home games to I guess see um, how they can stay composed how they can maybe uh, deal with the, the crowd how they can deal with maybe a few refereeing decisions yeah. and then when momentum does maybe go against them kind of slow the game down and maybe call a few different plays to, to, to get the momentum back from England and that's the kind of experience you learn from going away from home and I suppose when you are in a position like Jack at out half and trying to control the game trying to lead the game trying to dictate the game it's his, his play calling his line out calling and stuff will come mm. come more more applicable when you're away from home so yeah look a big challenge for him in his development like he said but look based on the interview he's well ready for it certainly is fingers crossed to get that win in Franklin's Gardens on Friday night right just before I wrap up the show on February 29th Europe's biggest combat sports expo will be taking place here in Cork five contacts place at the Clayton Hotel Silver Springs it'll have some of the biggest names in MMA taking part such as Frank Mir and Ben Askren Jason Woodard and Ken O'Leary are the men behind it they called in earlier today to look ahead alright we're less than two weeks out now from FICON happening in the Clayton Hotel Silver Springs let's be joined by uh, Jason and Ken lads thanks very much for coming in thanks for having us thanks for having us yeah. Jason stop with yourself tell us the genesis of FICON and what sparked all this um, many a cup of tea in Douglas McDonald's hmm. at 12 o'clock on a Saturday night sparked this uh, we're huge MMA fans have been for 15 years or so um, we weren't happy where we were. We wanted to we wanted to do something together, myself and Keane. And then Keane came to one. We we were doing a podcast, and Keane said, "Look, Comic Con, but for MMA people, yeah, like that's well, it. that it's that simple." And I thought that's a genius idea. Let's run with it. Yeah. Um, and now we're two weeks out from it, and the lineup we have is unbelievable. That this for the first one, we can't believe it. Like, yeah, you can talk to us about the lineup that you got. Uh, hard to believe sometimes still I, I still find myself pinching myself when we get an email say in the morning from Ben Askren or when you're <laughs> when you're casually chatting on Instagram in the DMs with Wonderboy it's still kind of hard to believe mm. but yeah I think for the first one it's an unbelievable lineup. you have one of the most admired fighters in the world in Wonderboy you have an absolute legend of the sport in Frank Mir a slightly polarising figure in Ben Askren People will, I think people will buy mm. tickets just to give them a piece of their mind. Um, no, it's hard, not, it's hard yeah. not to like Ben Askren. Yeah, you're back I, I, think, well, I agree, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's well able, able to look after himself. But then we also wanted to look after and kind of promote the Irish talent we have here. Guys like Will Flory came on board very mm. early. We've known Will a while. We've mm. watched him a while. Great personality, great talker, um, good fighter as well. And then, of course, you have James Gallagher. An MVP, just Crosby as well. And Kiefer Crosby, yeah, came on board. Best as Irish well. talent, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the idea, I suppose, to highlight Irish talent, wasn't 100%. it? One hundred percent. Yeah, because we went to the last Bellator in Dublin, and we said we have to sign some of these guys. To, like the crowd there was meant for these people. Like it was silly not to, mm. you know. What's the work been like behind the scenes? I imagine a lot of late nights and a lot of frantic. A lot of late nights. We we'll see that's the thing. It's just two of us, so I'm kind of branding, marketing, keen is logistics organisations dealing with agents like we're dealing with agents the whole time because mm. obviously a lot of agents are in LA so we're dealing with them eight hours behind so <laughs> yeah phone calls at nine ten o'clock but look it's it's completely worth it it's going to be mm. class and logistically speaking has it been a bit of a puzzle has it been hard to put together um, I think for the day for the itinerary for the day was a, was a bit tricky because we wanted to make sure we, we phased everything out like it's, it's not going to be possible for someone on the day to do everything because you'll have a panel discussion while you have say the Frank Mir panel discussion going on you'll have Wonderboy in the cage so it's a bit of it's a it, there's a bit there for everyone um, so the itinerary yeah. took a couple of days to hash out um, just making sure everyone was happy 
Um, behind the scenes, like some agents, we found difficult to deal with. Um, <laughs> Not going to name names. It's no, no, we, won't. Like we had some. We had some great names lined up to come, which fell through because yeah. of agents and stupid demands from like just the silliest things that mm. we're dealing with these guys then who are ten times bigger than them that wouldn't even consider asking that. That's like uh, no, that's we don't want that. Mm. But uh, you know, plan your day is what we're saying to everyone because <laughs> there's so much happening. Whoever you want to meet, plan your day. Look at the schedules. And to have like the likes of Frank Mir at your event must be like a kind of a pinch me kind of moment, doesn't it? It was so surreal that it literally happened. I was on Instagram, Digital Marketing Works, because I saw an advert for his seminar in Europe. I DM'd, the, I, no, I, I got the email, I emailed Gail and his manager. Gail came straight to me, look, we love the idea. We worked out pricing, all that kind of stuff, organisation, and we literally signed him in 24 hours of contact. 24 hours, mm. yeah. And he was the last one, and he's just been an absolute hero to deal with. We've yeah. had him on our podcast, the Combat Offensive Podcast. He's done promotions for us. He's done, he's unbelievable. Gentleman. Who else are you looking forward to seeing most now, Kim? Personally, for me, I, I've been a Ben Askren fan for years, mm. uh, well before he ever signed for the UFC. Uh, so I'm I, I'm a bit of a fanboy in the sense of I can't wait to meet Ben and I think I'll be most kind of nervous and kind of <laughs> that kind of fanboy when I meet him. Um, yeah, obviously meeting a legend of the sport like Wonderboy and mm. Frank Mir. It's just going to be a special day for us. Mm. What's the itinerary now so far today? So you have panel discussions, you have meet and greets in your fan zones. Uh, the fan zone is where you can get kind of get autographs and pictures. We have a meet and greets octagon set up where you can actually hop into the octagon with the guys and get photographs and our ring girls. And our panel discussions then are um, from half 11 to 5. Full day. Yeah, half 11 to half 5. And it's um, you have two fireside chats, which is one with Wonderboy and one with Frank Mir. Uh, we've been asking at the top panel with um, MVP and Richard Kiley. Like, there's more than enough happening on the day. Yeah, it should be an absolutely cracking uh, event, uh, FICON, happening uh, on February 29th uh, at the Clayton Hotel, Silver Springs, and uh, it should be an absolutely cracking event. Right, we are a man out of time. Thanks very much indeed for tuning our way. We're back next Saturday and Sunday from 6. Check out our podcast, uh, redextra.ie, and wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, Alan Donovan's up next with Green on Red. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. <laughs>